0: Today's episode is brought to you by Anchorfish Printing. Hey, are you in a band? Do you run a label? Or maybe you just want to make some merch for fun. You should hit up Anchorfish Printing. They've been taking care of bands for over 15 years. I first met the owner, Michael, when my band Touche Amore started, and he was our go-to guy. You can visit what they have to offer over at anchorfishprinting.com. You can hit them up for all your merch needs, whether it's screen printing, embroidery, or maybe you just need some stickers. Mention the first ever podcast and get 10% off your order. Welcome to the first ever podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Bolm. If this is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. This is episode 115, and my guest this week is Anthony Gerace. He is an artist, he is a photographer, he makes incredible collages. Some of which you may have seen through the Criterion collection. He's done a few of those. And uh, you may also know his work from doing Stage 4, the album from my band. He did uh, all the collages for that record. I am forever in debt to him for the job he did with those. So I figured it'd be awesome to have him on the show and talk to us about all of these different things, hear about his journey and so on. I do want to throw it out there that if this is your first time here, there's a bonus episode available right now over on the Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon, there is a bonus episode where Anthony answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. That is a thing that happens here on uh, on the Patreon. You get these bonus episodes, you get bonus radio hours, all sorts of stuff. I am currently doing a tour journal for the tour I am on, all sorts of stuff. Hit up patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon. At the end of the day, it just mostly helps support the show. And I'd appreciate you forever for that. Where am I today? I am recording this in New Jersey. We've been here since the 31st. Uh, Just before this, we toured with Coheed in Cambria and Thrice in Europe and the UK. We had a really wonderful time. If you came out to any of those shows, thank you so much. And we are currently on tour with the Men Zingers and Screaming Females. Um, It's going really well. And uh, I hope to see you out on this. Um, I figure it's worth talking about. Uh, a lot of people saw my post or maybe have seen the film. Uh, the Weird Al Yankovic biopic movie, Weird, an Al Yankovic story or the Al Yankovic story is officially out. You can go to Roku.com to just it's right on their main page. You can just hit play and watch it. Um, I had the honor of being a part of it. It was a really surreal experience. Past guest of the podcast, a gentleman named Eric Appel, is the director. So I had him on, and then sometime later, it got announced that he was making this film. And then sometime later, he DM'd me and said, Hey, is your head still shaved? And are you available on these two days? And I said, um, yes, my head is still shaved. And I can make myself available. What's going on, Eric? He said, I'm making this Weird owl movie. I don't know if you've seen and, uh, there's two different scenes that involve a punk band. And, uh, i specifically asked me if I know anybody who genuinely looks like he plays in a punk band. And you're the first person I thought of. Would you like to be in the movie? And it's the fastest I've ever said yes. Um, it was an absolute thrill. I got, uh, I was on set for two days. Um, a fun story is that, uh for that first day. So the first scene that was shot was the live performance scene where, uh, we play and then Patton Oswald heck- heckles us. And then the audience throws stuff at us and then fights us. Um, we arrive on set. Weird Al comes running right up to us. The real weird, the real weird Al, not a uh, Daniel Radcliffe. He comes running up to us and he says, skunk barf, you've arrived. It's so nice to meet you. He already has a prior relationship with Jonah Ray who played the drummer. And Johnny Pemberton, who played the singer and bass player, but he looks at me and he goes, Jeremy, it's so nice to meet you and gives me a big hug. And I'm just like, what is happening? What is my life? Then, uh, proceeds to, uh, say, let me teach you guys the song. Cause I was curious what we were doing when we showed up. I, I, uh, Eric, the director said, we'll just make up something on the spot, which, uh, stressed me out. So, uh, I was like being a boy scout and I wrote a bunch of stuff just in preparation for if we needed to make up something on the spot or appear to. So Al then uh, teaches us how to play this thing, and I'm just like, "Oh my God, what a, I'm so I'm so scared. Uh, I hope I can not let him down. I hope, I hope I can play whatever he wants us to. It ends up being totally fine. He teaches Johnny this little vocal thing, and then we're uh and then I'm getting introduced to a stun man who is gonna be the man that I'm apparently fighting, something else that I didn't know was gonna really happen. Uh, so we get through that. we run the takes. Uh, Patton Oswalt yells at us. It's like it's a completely surreal experience. Uh, they call lunch. Um, I'm, we eat some food and then I'm, I'm sitting backstage and, uh, just sitting there waiting, or I say backstage, listen to me. It was at a venue. So I guess we could say backstage. Um, but then later we're sitting there and then Daniel Radcliffe comes, comes walking in dressed as weird owl, introduces himself to everybody. What a charming person he is sits down next to me. And I'm like, what do I talk to Daniel Radcliffe about? What, how do I, what do I do? So I look at him and I say, Hey, I think we have a mutual friend. And he says, who? I say, Andy Hall from Manchester Orchestra. He freaks out. He says, I love Andy. The connection there is, I don't know if you've seen his film Swiss Army Man, but Andy Hall and Robert from Manchester Orchestra made all the music for it. It's a beautiful soundtrack and it's an incredible film. So I'd like to direct you to that if you haven't seen it. But he's like, I love Andy. And so we start talking about Andy Hall and and Robert and his time with Swiss Army Man. Then he says... I hear you're in a band and I say, yes. And he has some of the most adorable questions I've ever heard in my life. They're like questions that your aunt would ask you. And it was, it was really, really charming. And I, uh, he was just such a sweet guy. He asked like, so when you go on tour, how many shows a night do you play? And I was like, Oh, what a sweet, that's adorable. And then, uh, what else did he ask? He asked, uh, he was like, so you tour in a, in a bus or what? I said, no, we tour in a van. And I think he said, is there windows, which is a great follow up question. Um, I had such a great time. I also got to hang out with Rainn Wilson for a little while, who was super cool, told me that his his kid goes to shows at The Smell, uh, which was really cool. I don't know. I could go all day about this, but it was such a surreal experience. Uh, Weird Al was such a charming person, very easy to be around, uh, made you feel comfortable, and Eric Capel, the director, did such a wonderful job. I really recommend you go back and listen to the Eric Capel interview. Um, you can hear what a genuine sweet guy he is and what a cool opportunity this ended up being for him. Um, for instance, he got his start being roommates with Andy Milanakis, and they created that show together. So that's just a little tidbit of uh, what in, what is in that episode. He also walks you through what it's like to direct an episode of The Office. These were all things that happened and um, it was just a surreal experience. So if you haven't checked out the weird movie, go watch it. It's a lot of fun. Full of cameos. So, so funny a joke a minute and uh comedies they don't just don't make them like that anymore so all right without further ado here's my conversation with the talented the wonderful anthony drace what's up anthony it's so nice to see you how are you today
1: i'm great it's great to see you, and uh thank you for having me on
0: yeah absolutely i know we've been we've been kicking this idea around having you on the show, and uh, I'm glad it's finally worked out our schedules we're both kind of home we're both we're both uh sort of secure in our in our places for a minute, so it's yeah I'm
1: glad this is happening yeah likewise how was uh, how was the rest of your tour
0: it was It was really awesome. It was really nice, you know just finally getting to go overseas um Have you traveled much in these last couple of years?
1: Um last year I really so we had we had like a really protracted lockdown last year and I I had kind of wanted to get back out so I start I started traveling again and then my wife got COVID and then we bought a house and then we were we were so stressed out about that and then we had to go to Gibraltar to get married, which was wild. It was this, this wild like whirlwind marriage. Um so yes, I've been traveling more than I thought I would, but less than I want to.
0: Sure. Yeah, that all sounds incredibly hectic. Did you guys get a place in London?
1: No, no, no. We moved up to uh, Glasgow. Oh, so, that's right. You told me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so we moved up here in February and uh you know, her brother lives up here and I can kind of work anywhere and it just like it afforded us so much more space and like so much more value for money. Like what for, for the place that we got for the same price in London, we would have been getting like a a shoebox box uh, in in, in Hackney and it's just, I don't know. Like I, I had some like misgivings about coming up here minor ones, uh, but they've all turned it's, it's, it's ended up being like so much better than I could have ever anticipated. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, but yeah, so there was, there was all sorts of stuff like, in in Canada and I think in the states as well, um, if you live with someone for a certain amount of time, you automatically become it becomes a civil partnership. Or 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 you right you know, sure that that was my assumption. Yeah, that's not true in the UK. So so uh, suddenly I, I I wasn't able to give her, you know, my half of the of the of the uh, deposit uh, without without her being taxed like crazy. So we oh wow we went to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went to we went to Gibraltar, which is which is um, the second fastest place to get married in the world, after Las Vegas.
0: Interesting. Which is not, yeah, yeah. I was I was gonna ask why Gibraltar, and to be honest with you, that's one of those places that I just know the name of. I, if you put a gun to my head and said, "Find me Gibraltar on the map," I'm not gonna. I, I wouldn't have no idea where that is.
1: I would not have either. Um it's in it's in it's it's at the very southernmost tip of Spain in the Strait the Strait of Gibraltar is the closest point in Europe between or the closest point between Europe and Africa. So from Gibraltar you can see you can see across the water to Africa, to Morocco.
0: Oh wow. Um,
1: yeah, it's super cool. Like it I mean, Gibraltar itself is a bit of a dump, but like it's got it, you know, like a lot of southern Spain, it's got like tons of islamic influence there's like these huge mosques but then it's actually a british colony so there are a british overseas territory. so you know britain britain retains control over it for strategic purposes like it's an old sort of remnant of empire um and so there's like pubs uh with with like all sorts of like weird sailing ephemera and they're all called like the lord nelson and stuff oh weird. super super weird super weird and and um yeah, like like you only have to be. You have to you have to declare that you're going to stay there for 24 hours if you're going there to get married.
0: Wow, so think, they know. So they just know. Oh, yeah, oh yeah,
1: yeah, it's a total racket. It's a total racket. And we uh, when we were when we were trying to make th- this happen, we we were kind of um, um, like bung- bungling around trying to get, go through the paperwork. And I just like Googled, you know, Gibraltar. Uh, marriage experts or something and just like thousands of results and you just like give them a little bit extra money and they do all the paperwork for you so it's a total the entire economy is based around fast no questions asked weddings it's crazy so weird crazy yeah well
0: i mean congratulations at least you know there's that Thank you very
1: much thank <laughs> you very much and yeah and we we moved to a new city and i'm absolutely loving it. So, you know, and, and and I got to see Gibraltar, got to see the monkeys. There you go. As yeah,
0: yeah. Uh the yeah, Glasgow's like top, you know. I, I was even telling you it's like one of my favorite places, especially in the UK, but like it's a top 3, top 5 city in in the world for sure. I just yeah. love it there. Yeah.
1: Dude, I I I had no idea cuz cuz we'd been up to 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 see my wife's brother a bunch of times and it's always been good. I had no idea how good it was until like like the music scene here is nuts. Like awesome. there's so much happening. And then the art scene is super like uh I don't know. Like I I lived in London for 10 years and I we've been here just under 6 months and I feel more um welcomed into the art scene than I ever did in London already. That's
0: amazing. That's amazing. So
1: much, seemingly so much more supportive. It's, you know, there doesn't seem to be the same kind of like mercenary quality of like, everyone is just like very much. And, and, you know, not, not to disparage anyone doing anything in London, just like, I think just the, the way the city works and how expensive it is, you kind of have to like, foreground yourself and everything you do especially if you're trying to like make something totally uh, art- artistic whereas whereas here like there really it really does feel like there's like a supportive like 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 funnily enough like you know it, it feels more like a DIY community whereas london like even even making art or like you know being a photographer like participating in, in any sort of scene felt very very much more um economical i guess in a in a in a really like gross way
0: fair um, yeah yeah i mean I, man, I it's that's the downside of i think trying to be an artist in any sort of really really major city where the where rent is super high where what it's like you have to all of a sudden start sacrificing some of the things that um excite you about what you do
1: totally totally and I mean you know I I I was working out of a studio for years in London and like every year like clockwork I would get this email that said um like I I, I held the lease on my studio and I shared it with four other people and like every single year it, like almost to the day I would get these emails sort of saying like we've secured we've secured the lease for another year but you know as you know there will be uh, there's there's rent increase and but the rent increase would always be exactly in line with what was legally allowed to be uh have, have your again like, so yeah. by the end i was i was playing like 650 pounds a month for like a leaky shitty studio uh, on 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 ridley road like again not to like cast aspersions on ridley road because it's great but the studio was like a dump Right. I was, you know, I was paying almost as much, I mean, and it was split five ways, but like right. almost, almost as much as my rent for, for like a room with no heat, a leaky <sighs> ceiling and like terrifying, like metal doors everywhere. Like it, it's oh, just, man. it's just a crazy, It it's a crazy proposition trying to be an artist in London. and And like, if you can make it work and, 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 you know, make it work consistently, like it's a small miracle, but like, sure. I was just like. Once I got up here, I was just like, oh, I can like opt out of that and it doesn't change anything. And that's the best.
0: Yeah. And it's tough too, because I mean, you know, uh, not for, I know, I'm sure not for everybody, but like your environment and your location can play a role into your motivation as someone who's creating something. So if like you're uncomfortable in your space, like that can be a distraction if you're, you know, trying to be inspired by something.
1: For sure. I mean, I went the other way where it was just like, I saw, I saw, a, you know, a social life, like, I went the other way in so far as, like, I just, like, threw myself into my work for years and, like, made that the entirety of my existence. And I really think to my detriment and to eventually the, the detriment of my work, because, like, there was no, there was no other input besides, like, you know, it, it started, like, feeding back on itself. And I think a not entirely healthy way. Um, oh. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I look back on how I was working and I know, I know that it was necessary, especially because like, it's really, it's that, uh, you know, sharks, sharks keep moving or they die kind of thing. Like, and, um, but it it is just like, like one of the things that, you know, my wife and I really agreed to do when we got up here is just go to as many like gigs as possible. Just, just, just to try to make friends and like, I had re- I realized once we decided that, that, you know, for years, I don't, I mean, you know, COVID aside, I'd only been going to like a couple, two or three gigs a year. And like when I was in Toronto, that was something that like, I loved And I, you know, I played in bands in Toronto and I, I, I loved, I loved being part of a scene and like living in London. It really, uh, it really like took me out of that in a way sure. that I hadn't, re- hadn't realized that it had, it had happened which yeah. is uh, bizarre especially I mean, because i work yeah so much with with bands and musicians like
0: yeah, yeah I, I get it yeah what, once you're yeah, once you like go to a different place and you take yourself out of what you were doing normally it does really make you self reflect on uh how you've been living with whether you're conscious of it or not it's it's a it's a really fascinating thing um yeah so you but you just mentioned Toronto so I know you're from Canada originally you're from London right like is that where you are Yeah were yeah, yeah Is that like a born and born, born and raised?
1: Born and raised in London Ontario and then I moved to Toronto when I was 18 and I stayed okay. there for 10 years.
0: Was was Toronto always the exit plan? You're like okay I I I need to move to the bigger city.
1: Definitely. I think, um, I, I mean, I, I remember that was like a lot of people in London's plan was like, they were going to go to Toronto. Like, and I, and I think like London in, in a lot of ways, London is a bit of a feeder city for Toronto, especially for like artistically minded youths. Like, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I kind of, I kind of made that pact with myself when I was like in ninth or 10th grade, just like, got to get out of London. Although I go back now and and it's, it's lovely to see, you know, it's lovely to see my mom. Uh, but also London is like very messed up at the moment, which is uh, sad to see, you know, as, as a lot of mid-sized cities, I think are. Yeah. Um,
0: were you, did you go to, did you go to school in Toronto or was it just like, I'm moving there to, you know, be with more, more of my people? Like what, what was the, what was the, uh, the move?
1: The move was I, I went um, I went to go to York uh, York University to study English literature because the original plan was to become a writer. I don't think I was motivated enough to make it work. So I kind of I went to York for four years and did about two years worth of classes and then dropped out um, and then kind of kicked it around the music scene and started DJing, started making posters and then went back to school for graphic design after I kind of realized what well, I had, I had what I, I thought, uh, I thought I knew what graphic design was. So I went back to school for it. What I thought graphic design was, was not what it was. Sure. And so I, but I was lucky enough that I, I you know, I had, I went, I went back to school in 2000, 2009 and, uh, somehow ended up in this, this, uh, cohort with like a bunch of mature students and all of us kind of like really, like there was this really healthy competition between us and like, we all went a bit nuts and like, we were very, very, very work focused. And I think, and and I think in a lot of ways that, that kind of, um, precipitated how I engaged with London, England when I moved there. But, um, yeah, it, it, I had thought, I had thought graphic design was going to be, you know, designing album sleeves and and making posters and like doing essentially being an artist. Yeah. Uh, because, because that was my, you know, that was my introduction to it. Yeah. um But yeah. So, so my first, my first experience of Toronto though was very much like thinking I wanted to do something, realizing I didn't, or not even realizing that I didn't have the, have what it took to do it, but just getting depressed and, you know, kind of, getting into, getting into drugs and getting, and getting, just, just, just get it like a, a lost couple of years and then, sure. and then getting kind of re-rescued by, by music. And this really in the same way that I was in high school. Like I really, I really like took a lot from, from music and from being part of the scene in high school. And then, you know, I think when you moved, when you moved to somewhere like Toronto from a city like London that had, uh, and when I was, when I lived in London, there was like a real, Um, there was a really, uh, strong, like emo and hardcore scene that I was a part of. And, and I think I didn't really seek it out when I moved to Toronto and it was, yeah, but, but yeah, uh, that was the, that was what I moved to Toronto for.
0: Um, so, you know, since the show is all about first experiences and stuff, it sounds like you when it comes to cre- like creative art forms, you were interested in kind of a lot of different things. Would you, did you, say, would you say that you connected with art pretty early on? Or was, because um, obviously you do have a lot of photography too, like photography is such a major part of your life. Um, were you interested in art and photography when you were young or was it always kind of music first?
1: Um, I think that I, I can look back and see that I was interested in all of the things that I love now pretty early on but i didn't have the language with which to foreground them in in my life like you know I, i i i got into i got into like underground music through zine making and poetry um and 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 that that had a lot to do with collage a lot to do with photography a lot to do with writing um so yeah i was into art but i wouldn't have been able to tell you that i was (laughs) <laughs> sure. So it took a, it took a long time to realize that. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: What were you uh, What were you listening to when you were growing up?
1: Oh man, uh, a lot of the Jade Tree bands. Um, so like the Promise Rang and uh, Joan of Arc and Jay June, and then a lot. Of, like for some reason, London had a real kinship with like the Gainesville scene. So like Hot Water Music were constantly playing in London, Ontario. Wow. Um, which was weird, like Hot Water Music and Small Brown Bike, and God, I don't, I don't small know. Brown... And then, and then, like lots.
0: Yeah, Small Brown Bike. I was going to say that that at least like geographically makes sense because they're from Michigan, so that's like a quick yeah. jump over. Yeah, 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 but... yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, like like I remember like Hot Water Music played at least two or three times in London, Ontario, between I would say like. 2000 and 2002 which is wild when i think about it
0: yeah i don't know know if i know this but just by out of curiosity just you know not to not to do the hey you're from the same place as this other person you must know each other but like did you have did you i don't know how big the age gap is potentially but did you ever know the single mothers guys like drew thompson because i think they're because they're all from like the london area too
1: i don't think i did i like like sure i um I knew the Acacia guys and like um like Sinclair and uh the Kadive, like, but I don't know if those bands ever really like made it out of the London area. Yeah,
0: I I can't say yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I can't say I'm too familiar, but no, I was just curious, I was thinking about that because my first experience in London was um we played a show there, like, you know, like I think it was maybe even an off day show. And um you know this this band single mothers opened for us and just like blew us away and then our friendship started from from there but um yeah it's uh i, I always enjoyed you know going going through there but um it did always have that you know sub like almost like feels like the suburb of the toronto cuz everybody's thinking about making
1: their way there even though i know they're pretty far yeah. apart yeah yeah i mean i like I they're only like two hours apart, which I think yeah. in in like Canadian terms and especially in Ontario is like not far not Cause like yeah, cause also like, like
0: it's like California, where like here yeah. it's it's so uh, you know that's something that's so fascinating always where it's like if you live in l a you're so used to driving two hours to like kind of do a lot of things, whereas like people totally. on the, people on the East Coast you drive two hours, you could cross
1: two states, <laughs> you know what I'm saying totally. So, <laughs> like, yeah, this is one of the things that absolutely blew my mind when i moved to the uk that everyone was like wait a minute like you think two hours is a short drive you'll be <laughs> yeah, in the- uh you'll be in you'll be in wales bro like I'm yeah like, oh. okay <laughs>
0: um so did so you mentioned playing in bands did you uh what was that what's the story there
1: um so in i guess 2007 i was uh I ha- had a party at my apartment and just started jamming with a couple of friends of mine. And then we, we started making music together and played in this band called women for not, not women. Like, cause, cause it ended up yeah. that there was another band called women out of Calgary, I think. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, we just, we played together for maybe a year and I was, I was playing drums and screaming and, uh, it was like very much in the sort of like pile on, uh, Bush Tetras, like uh, Les Abis Fav, post-punky kind of like rhythmic yeah, yeah, yeah. post-punk sort of stuff. And um, through that, I I actually I met like one of my best friends, uh, this guy Josh McIntyre. And this was this would have been back in the, um, in the like real blog days. So I was I was booking a lot of shows too, and. I started booking his, he had like a garage rock duo with our mutual friend, Joe called uh pirate rock. And so I started booking them. We became buddies and then Josh started doing his own thing, which was, which was like, and this would have been like 2008 at this point. And, and, and it was like very much in that, like crystal stilts uh, Vivian girls world. And it was like coincidentally called little girls. And, and, uh, he he was home recording everything and sent 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 like a handful of tracks off to Gorilla versus Bear, and they were just like, "Oh, this is great! Like, we'll we'll definitely make a post." And and you know, like back in those days when it was just like when when they would make a post, like he got signed by Mexican Summer and captured tracks. Oh wow, it was insane! Yeah. yeah, and so so suddenly he had he had these like records that were coming out because he had done all the recordings and needed to tour. So he like tapped myself and his old bandmate, Joe and another friend of ours, Andrew. And, you know, we, we played together for like, I'd say six months. And then, you know, I ended up quitting to go back to school, which I still kind of regret, but like, yeah. So we, like, we, we toured in the States, toured in Canada and like, it was wild. Like it was just like.
0: Yeah. Was that your first time seeing the, like seeing the, the States like that?
1: Uh yeah 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 definitely because I because I used to go to New York a lot but like mm-hmm. that was always like a, a mega bus trip like an overnight mega bus and like yeah. you know sleeping on sleeping on people's floors but like I had never done the sort of like because we you know we had we had no money and like we were like soliciting like places to stay from the crowd it was sure. it was awesome it was yeah. so much fun and uh, and yeah and he's he's still making music and he's um, he's doing really interesting stuff now.
0: This podcast is presented by DistroKid, an incredible service for musicians that helps you upload your songs to all music streaming platforms from iTunes to Spotify and Apple Music, then pays you revenue from your songs all in one place. They've got a really cool new feature called Splits that allows you to add collaborators so you can pay your co-writers and fellow musicians without needing an accountant. To get 30% off your first year's DistroKid subscription, just head to distrokid.com slash VIP slash hard times. So you know, you mentioned you went you went back to school for graphic design. Was the next step from there doing photography? Or were you doing uh, like design work tr- like tr- like you mentioned, like making posters and stuff like that? Like was that what what's the order in which your creative endeavors went?
1: Um, that's a hard question to answer because I was into, again, I was into photography in high school, but I didn't have like a roadmap to learn what photography could be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it really was when I went back to school, there was a, there was a, um, a mandatory photography module taught by this woman, Ruth Kaplan. And I think that the course was meant to be essentially how do you commission photography how do you use photography within the remit of graphic design but she was like an old school like photography teacher she wasn't a design teacher so for whatever reason she was teaching this this photography module and she and she would be like okay we have eight projects for the semester you can do them in any order that you want uh and and each project was you know like a sentence long and it would be, it it was super arty and super weird. And like, I was just like, I love this. Like, and that really like reignited something in me. And I was just, and, and, and at the same time I was, I was living with like a good friend of mine who's a, who's a commercial photographer, but who had this like, really lovely library of photo books. So Ruth was, you know, Ruth was basically, I mean, I think she, I think she's was a fantastic teacher and I don't know if she taught her class like that because it was the easiest way to the most low impact way to teach it. Or, or if, if there was like a mandate in her mind to like teach, teach kids who were like obsessed with like Wim Crowell or like, uh, you know, seventies, seventies graphic design, like about About because I remember she she did a screening of Sally Mann's documentary, and we had a whole class where she was talking about Sally Mann. And I remember I remember even at the time being like, this feels weird. Like this doesn't feel (laughs) like design-oriented at all. Because like I don't know if you know Sally Mann's work, but like I'll be
0: honest, I'm unfamiliar.
1: She was uh she is, uh, I should say she's still alive. Uh, she she rose to prominence photographing her children mm-hmm. and and it was this it, i think it was in the 70s or the 80s and it was this big controversy because they were these because she lived in rural virginia with her husband and they were these like they they felt very pictorialist photos of children so there was there was always like a question of like what's appropriate where is consent here like mm-hmm you know, if you're, if you're putting like naked photos of your prepubescent children in a gallery and obviously not sexualized, like these would be kids, like, like at the swimming hole kind of thing. Sure. But they were like really beautiful and, and, and like very like conceptually salient photos of just her family. Yeah. They had nothing, there was nothing structuralist about them. Like you couldn't tie them to graphic design if you tried. Um, And she was, she, you know, she, she, she had like she had prepared a lecture about Sally Mann's work and then showed us the documentary that Sally Mann made when her husband got, I think got ALS or something. Like it was, it was really like very not design work. But at the same time, I I I I lived with this guy, Jeff, who had a huge photo uh photo book collection, and he introduced me to Stephen Shore. Okay. And so these two things I was just like. Oh this is what I should have been doing all along. This is like my calling. I love this. And yeah. it really it really like blew a hole in what I thought I wanted to do. And I and I think I I don't think I ever uh actually wanted to be a graphic designer. I wanted to I wanted to do what I thought design was and and I remember uh my first my first semester of school I had my, my, my main design module was taught by this guy, this super conceptual guy who was like, we're going to make two books. One, one has to be about the opposite of what the other is about. And I was just like, what? That's <laughs> awesome. Like, like really like cool, interesting stuff. And then my second semester, I had a teacher who was like, what do you think you're doing? Like design is branding, bro. And I was just like, Oh no, oh, yeah, this isn't what I want to do whatsoever. And I mean sometimes I mean from... it's good
0: to, yeah sometimes it's good to have the yin with the yang you know where you're like okay I can also find the way to be turned off by this too and maybe this helps me find what I do like about what I'm doing
1: Totally well and because and and, and I think I'm I'm glad that I had that early experience because when I sort of went out into the working world and cuz I moved to I moved to London like pretty much directly after graduating and I was like London London will be great they'll appreciate conceptualism and design and of course no one appreciates that not even designers like and so i was like bringing this very weird portfolio around to to agencies and they'd be like well we like what you're doing but like what do you like how do you how do you think that like how's that gonna how's that gonna work if if we have to do like a branding project for unilever or something that's just like, yikes and again and, right. yeah, and then when I when I did work in design I hated it. So yeah, I I, I appreciate Avi Dunkelman's terrible branding class for that reason because at least I had It set you on already it. like yeah, yeah.
0: You'd, you'd seen a glimpse, you'd seen the window into into the things that um, were going to potentially deter you or or make you realize how you're going to have to navigate um certain, you know, potential corporate clients. So
1: totally yeah
0: totally. Did, uh, uh, this is like hell backtracking but like do you remember the first photo that you took that made you kind of excited in a way that you felt like you were doing it
1: yeah absolutely um it, again it was in it was in Ruth's class and there was a uh, um i had i had gotten really into cuz i was borrowing a friend of mine's dslr And I hadn't used like an SLR camera, again, really since high school. And like there wasn't the constraint or the fear of wasting money on film. And so I was just roaming around my apartment building with a tripod. And I was taking these long exposures of all of the apartment buildings and and being able to see what that looked like and how... The image could be changed. Like I remember, I took this photo of a door. This is, it's very cheesy, but like I took a photo of a doorway on a long exposure, and it just it all of the all of the lights like were blown out uh, by the exposure. Uh, blown blown out in the sense of like there was you know tons of like white areas that couldn't be recovered in the edit, and, and I just thought it looked like the most like magical image. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, oh, like it's, it's not just like taking photos. It can be like, or, sorry, not, not just taking photos, but you know, it's not just like pointing a camera at something and getting something like you can really like manipulate your environment to create something new. And it was, it was like a really, like a really mind blowing experience to think that like that's something that I could do.
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know how how jumping ahead this is um from once you, you know, got comfortable with uh c- graphic design and with photography. But um when it comes to like the collage work stuff that you do, like how did you how did that come your way and what was the inspiration there?
1: Well that that predated that really predated anything. Like um, so when I when I started making zines, my the first scene that I made was just like five folded eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper with like a handful of poems that I'd written. And I remember like, I can't remember if I had, if I went to a zine fair with it or what I was doing with it, but I was trading zines with people and I was just like, Oh, there's a, a lot more to this than just like type on a page. Um, and that, that sort of set me set me on a path to making collages. So I was making collages in high school for zines and didn't see it as like an art practice because I again, I, didn't, I just didn't have the language to, to apprehend it as one. Um, and then, you know, went to just again, to backtrack, um, when I went to school for English literature, I kind of put it aside and I was like, well, that's, you know, that was something that I did in high school. Um, and then, you know, hated what I was doing, was really struggling with depression issues and, and, um, was like a heavy, heavy, heavy smoker, um, and had these like two or three lost years, um, and then decided I wanted to be a DJ, which is funny, um, <laughs> and quit smoking at the same time. And as a way to like stave off my two pack a day smoker. Wow As a way to stave off my cravings, I was just drawing constantly and started making the posters for these DJ nights that I was doing, and then obviously like, sort of got deeper into the Toronto music scene, started booking bands. And I didn't see any reason why I shouldn't just do everything myself like I didn't want to like commission someone to do a poster that I couldn't pay or like, you know, wouldn't know what the outcome was. So I was like, well, I'll go back to this thing that I did in high school. And so I started making posters with these like big, uh, 11 by 17 collages, just like clippings from life magazine, sort of the, all of the, all of the, um, source material that I, that I, that I use in, uh, my collages, like to this day. And, I was just like, I forgot about this. I forgot how much I love this. And really it, it started to become booking the events became um, an excuse to make a poster because at that point I couldn't, I could I couldn't, I couldn't see, I couldn't see past the idea that what I was doing was meaningless if it wasn't done towards something, if that right. makes sense. Yeah. And, and yeah. And so, and so that's really what brought me back to collage. And in a lot of ways, like collage is what brought me to design and photography uh, rather than the other way around. And so like, I think I like, I have, yeah. So I, I, I was, I was, I was booking shows for my band. I was booking shows for friends bands. I was doing these DJ nights and, I integrated like my own photography into that in some respects, but mostly it was, it was these collages with, with, and, and, and again, I didn't know how to use Photoshop. I didn't know how to use any of the programs. And so I was doing everything by hand, like, like comping text, uh, either, either with, either with like rub on letters or stencils or stick on letters. Like, and I look back, I look back on that stuff and I'm just like, Oh, it's really, it's really interesting that like, I kind of had the ability to do this thing without any of the training. And when I got the training, I lost the sort of like rawness of it. But yeah, like that was really, that was really where, where, where my, my love of collage came from. And then, and then with, uh, with Josh and little girls, like when he, when he tapped me to do drumming, like I remember it was like a really super cold winter night. I was DJing at a bar It was like a Wednesday or something. So it was dead. And I was playing like the pastels and um, Josh came in and he was like, I need to talk to you. Like, this is what's happened. I've got these records coming out on these labels. I have to do a tour. Uh, I want you to do the album artwork and I want you to be the drummer. And so my first, my first client was one of my best friends and he loved these posters that I was doing for his band, for my band and, and I, you know, for, uh, for what would become the band that we did together. And, I mean, not that we did it together, it was his music, but yeah. like, um, and I, and I was kind of, and, and, and at that point I was kind of just like, Oh, like there's like merit in this outside of just doing it for things, because clearly people are responding to something. And then, it, and then it was just kind of like struggling my way through finding out how to be an artist, I guess
0: when you look back on those like posters for DJ nights and things like that, like, do you see like your, you know, where you are today? Like, is it, is it reminiscent of the collages that you ended up making later in your life? Or can you see that it's like the, um, you know, the, uh, the early days of what would become your style?
1: I think the DNA is all there. Um, but it, it's it's definitely like work that's grasping towards something without quite reaching it and, sure. and it's it's like you know there's compositional compositionally they're fine but like they would never be able to stand on their own as images like they would need the text yeah but again i think i think i think that made that that made them quite like raw and interesting as well um but funnily enough like the the grid work that that I did that I did that I did for stage four that you know I, I did for the press photos and like for really like the the backbone of my art practice for many years um, was started uh, through those posters and like again I, I didn't I didn't really know what I was doing I didn't really know if it would work as a thing. And it was just very much like experimenting with form and it somehow like stumbled on something. And yeah. And then, and then, yeah. Uh, Then when I was in school for design, I started learning about art and about photography, about what collage was about how, um, how conceptual things didn't need to be wanky. Like, I, I had a joke uh, with this friend of mine. Like, his his uh, first full length was called Concepts because we had this like running joke about like uh, like don't don't put on airs. Like, don't don't talk about your concepts. You know, like uh-huh. and 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 I, I think back on that and I'm just like, oh, you're such a little brat. Like, <laughs> like it, it's really like really like the like overconfidence of an idiot. Like. Um, and, and yeah, and, and, and when I, when I went to school and sort of started learning about art properly and again, li- living with this photographer friend of mine and seeing how he approached his less commercial work and the idea that an image doesn't have to be an end point in and of itself. It can be part of something bigger that had never crossed my mind and, and, uh, and when I started thinking about things serially, when I th- started thinking about things in, 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 in terms of you know a book or whatever, um, something really blossomed out of that, and it, it became a lot more interesting.
0: Um, when you started incorporating your own photography into it, uh, did that unlock a different? kind of motivation because you in the past had been doing collage work from like magazines and, and and found uh inspiration but once you included your own photography did that make the designing things um more exciting or almost kind of more difficult in a way
1: uh both it was it was super super exciting um and it, it felt really transgressive. Like I remember when I w- cause I didn't start, I didn't start incorporating my own photography into my collages until 2015. And it really, uh, and that was when I was working on a series called the ruined map. Um, and I was taking the portraits that I had been shooting, especially the portraits that I'd been shooting in my last year in Toronto in the studio, but some of the stuff that I had been shooting, like shooting, um, in London and just really just putting like a bounded, a bounded set of scraps of paper on top of it. Like the, the the mechanism that controls the series is super simple. Um, it was really hard to take that step. And I remember, I remember, I remember conversations with, um, I remember conversations when I was in school with friends sort of saying like, well, would you ever like, incorporate your own image images into collages and i was just like absolutely not i would never sully the like purity of the image with you know with with collage like right. and I, I really i really could not see i couldn't see them interacting together and like i think one of the one of the real pleasures of the last six or seven years has been seeing how far an image's pliancy can go, and how much it can be stretched or destroyed or intervened upon, while still maintaining maintaining a core of an image underneath or within, and like seeing what the break point is and seeing what's after it.
0: Um, it's interesting you say that because yeah, I, I think there's this thing that a lot of us do, whether in any sort of art form, where you create these boundaries for yourself out of some sort of like you know self-implied rigid- rigidness where you're like i'm never i can't do this like you have like you have this idea of what is pure that you've solely created on your y- your own self and then oh my god yeah and then i think a big part of growing as an artist is dropping those boundaries that you've f- almost kind of foolishly created for yourself um, and being open to exploring all different sorts of things.
1: Definitely, definitely. And like, it, it's so funny that once you do drop one of those boundaries that had been set in stone for however long it had been set in stone for, it suddenly becomes ridiculous that it was ever there. It's, it's to- such a weird feeling.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a totally different scale, but like, uh, it just reminds me of, you know, uh, if I was to, to look for, uh, you know, something for, to connect on that with you is like, when you're sort of young, the idea of like going to some, maybe like a producer and having the producer give you an opinion on your song when you're young, you're like, fuck you, I know what I'm doing. Like, I don't need your I don't need your opinion but then when you're older and you're like you know you become so much more open minded because you want to hear other pers other people's like interpretations it's like so totally. important totally
1: yeah totally i mean i mean yeah like i and 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 it's it's it, it's interesting that you say that because like i don't know what the an- analog is in visual art but i know that i'm not <laughs> there yet that i still have those like those walls up in, in the way that I make work. Like, yeah, but yeah, like, like, yeah, it's, it's an
0: interesting, it's an interesting thing. Um, what, what about, uh, when was the first time your work was maybe covered by a publication where someone that you didn't know took an interest and wanted to talk to you about it?
1: (laughs) I, I rarely get unsolicited, um, requests to talk about my work because i'm like a consummate emailer like i'm like desperate to be seen um in a way that has kind of i like i don't know i i remember the first time that i was just like super super psyched that someone was covering it but that was after like a half a dozen emails to to that publication being like look at me look at me look at me like it's definitely like it's definitely happened, but I I feel like all of the all of the publications that like were real like um, feathers in my cap, I guess. Uh, oftentimes, like I I would I would solicit solicit them to cover sure. me, yeah, because um, because it, it it was just and again and I think that was I think that was really a a product of moving to London, a product of like suddenly, cause like when I was in Toronto, like I, 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 have this story that I, I, um, that I tell people sometimes about, and just, just to illustrate like the massive overconfidence that a city like Toronto can instill in you. I, I was doing a thesis and it was like a design thesis again, High, super, super, super conceptual. It was about it was about portraiture. It was about book design. It, it there was a there was a a wall-sized collage involved, and I finished and I got this you know great grade and and really, all of my teachers were like, "You're you're not going to have any trouble finding a job." And I was like, "Yeah, you're right. I'm not going to have any trouble finding a job. This is great." And so I had this like chunk of time in Toronto after I had finished my degree, but before I moved to London, it was like three months or something. And it was like, you know, I was done school. I should have probably been emailing people to uh, try to find work. And I was like, no worries. I'm not going to have any problem finding work. Yep. I'm the best. Uh-huh. And so I just, I just fucked around all summer. It was, and it was a great summer. It was a fantastic summer. You know, I, I drove down to Savannah with some friends and we had like a, a real proper road trip. It was the the first time that I was like out on the road shooting in the way that I would, I would, I would end up, you know, uh, defining my landscape practice with. And then I got to London and I just couldn't find a job. And I was like, it was, it was the possibly like the single biggest blow to my ego that I've ever had. Like, it was like a, um, an existential blow to my ego. And, and I was just like, what have I been doing? Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was like a really, it was a horrible feeling. And again, like I was, I was booking interviews with agencies and they, and they were sort of saying like, we love what you're doing, but it does, it has no place here. Like, and, and, and with, with, with as much kindness as something like that can be said. And I was just like, what do I do? Yeah. (laughs) And so, And so, and so I was just like, okay, well, if I can't find work, I have to define it for myself. And London is so big and I'm so tiny. And like Toronto is by no means a small city, but I was in a very supportive community that was very much about like, you know, friendship and scene first like, and if something comes of that, then it comes. And I think on top of that, there's like a real, maybe a Midwestern attitude, but certainly an Ontario attitude. And I think a Canadian attitude of like, well, I don't want to like, you know, if, if they like me, they'll, they'll tell me they will, you know, they'll get in touch with me. And it was a the one positive thing that came out of this like massive like blow to my ego upon moving to London was, was that I was just like, no one knows who you are. No one gives a shit that you like did a cool thesis because in London, everybody's doing cool. Like the RCA is in London, like central St. Martin's is in London. Everybody's doing cool stuff. Like you need to like, you need to be as proactive about this as you possibly can. Otherwise, you're going to be having a terrible time, and so and so that that just like instilled in me this idea of like no one is no one is no one no one cares about what you're doing until you make them care, and so you know as a result of that I just became a real, a real like yeah consummate emailer, um, especially with publications because I think what early success I had came on the back of like, you know. All uh, the what little press I got. Um, sure.
0: I mean, it is it, th- those moments are important to have as much as they are terrible to have. Those take <laughs> it out. Sometimes you just need to take a real big bite of humble pie and be like,
1: oh, oh yeah.
0: yeah. 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 Those things. Yeah. Those things are tough in the moment, but they're such learning experiences that they're so, so important. Um, Totally. Yeah. I want to ask, what was the first art show that you did?
1: So I, when my first solo show was in Toronto, it was at a gallery space called Narwhal. And it was the work that I did for my thesis. So... Just again to go back to the sort of like community mindedness of Toronto and of of or maybe of the scene that I was a part of, like there used to be a gallery called Magic Pony that did like that worked with a lot of like artists who were sort of straddling the line between artist and illustrator or artist and photography. You know, well, not really photography. It was very like illustration led artists. And I just, and I had known them forever just through friends. And I kind of reached out and said, like, listen, like, I'm, I want to exhibit, I want to exhibit this thesis work. I wanted to exhibit it the way it's meant to be seen, which was, you know, 12, 15 by 15 inch portraits with accompanying books of the entire, the, the, the entirety of the photo shoot and a transcript of the conversation that happened. In vitrines, and then a, and then a, and on the adjacent wall, the the sort of thinking this this like wall size collage that I was I was mentioning, um, and they're like, yeah, we can make that happen. So so I was really really lucky that like, you know, I had I had I had friends who, or you know, I I had people that I knew, not fr- yeah, I had friends who 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 were able to put it on in a in a real space. Um, and that kind of gave me a taste of what my work could look like in a proper space. Yeah, outside, uh, decontextualized. So, so that was that was the first show I had. That was in twenty twelve in Toronto, and then I, I somehow got a show in London in twenty thirteen um, at a gallery called the Coningsby. Um, but again, it was it was uh, very much like you have to frame it yourself, you have to hang it yourself. You know, we'll give you access to the gallery like three days before the show. Here, here you know, yeah. it, it's, like it's on picture being, rails.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like being given, uh, given a, a, a room that is a palette where it's like, you have to now make this represent you. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And, and, and it was very much like, yeah, uh, I, I it, weirdly, it was a show of all, it was just the grid pieces. Um, And it was the first time I was exhibiting them and like no one came because I, I, again, didn't, didn't really know how to promote it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was great. It was, it was, it was great to do. And it was a real, like, okay, I can kind of rest now. I'm, I'm like here, I'm living here. I've done this. But the first, the first show in Toronto was just, it was like such a delight to do because it really, it really was like, eight months of concentrated work and thinking and writing and, you know, theorizing about what a photograph is, what a portrait is like, it's all, it's all quite like um, overwrought in in retrospect, but it was real. Like it was real. Like um, it was a real meaningful thing and a really meaningful thing to leave uh, a, a real meaningful note to leave Toronto on.
0: Sure. When you get commissioned by say, a band or a company or something like that, um, do you enjoy having uh, a specific direction or do you like when things are, um, you know, more obtuse where it's like, oh, it can, you know, like we're looking for this kind of thing or like, oh, we like when you do this sort of a thing. Like if someone's familiar with your work, like they can point to some work, be like something like this. Like what what inspires you more?
1: I like when they point to my work and say something like this but i really i really love the back and forth that that entails like um the thing that i've worked worked on that is my favorite thing to have worked on was the first job i did with criterion the criterion collection which was which was
0: i wanted to ask you about this because i saw i saw on your instagram that you had done uh you had posted one of them um but then i saw i was lurking and i saw in the comments that you said you've done like five different criterion covers which i'm I'm
1: oh wow uh, right okay yeah no there's uh, more than that i think it's oh, like up to the, nine now or something okay
0: this i mean it was from a long time ago that post so you need to tell me what covers you've done and like how that process is because i'm a big criterion geek
1: oh dude honestly like not again not to backtrack but the yeah. first time that i realized that like Design was a thing, yeah was working in a record store, getting criterion collection DVDs in, and being like,, like "Why is this so beautiful?" Yeah, like and not understanding like like or, or sorry, not not understanding, but like s- this slow dawning understanding that like the artwork is always moving, you know like it's like a, a film that came out in the 20s can still seem relevant and interesting. Outside of its own context and outside of it, outside even even outside of the the purview of the film itself, because like you have someone responding artistically to it. I, Absolutely, I loved that. Oh yeah. my god! And and um, there there's they are. A, I haven't worked with them in forever, and I'm I'm a bit bummed about that because they're like an absolute dream to work with. Uh, my art director there, Eric, is has a very clear idea of what he wants every time he commissions someone, but he's very much like, he's like a real old school, like design guy that way, because he's, he's kind of like, I want the person to get there because, and I think, and I mean, I'm, 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 I'm putting words in his mouth, but like, I think that the attitude is like, he has a clear idea of what he wants, but he's, he doesn't want what he wants to define the thing. Sure. And so it's just, it, it becomes this, it becomes this conversation about like, you know, we kind of have this in mind and we kind of want to do this, want to take a shot at it, give us some options. And, and then you do. And then like, maybe those options aren't what he had originally envisioned and maybe they're better. And maybe like the thing that you thought was the best idea is, um, he He then pushes back against that, and it becomes better it's It's such an interesting process and like for me that 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 was and again like I'm not, not a graphic designer anymore, if I ever was, but like that to me is just like the most um nourishing uh artistic collaboration when someone is like, "This is wrong, but I'm not going to tell you how it's wrong, but I am going to tell you how it's right
0: interesting, yeah. Wow. So wh- give me some titles. Which one which was it? Okay. Done?
1: Uh I the most recent cover that I did was in 2020. I did the Tokyo Olympiad cover. That's the post. That that I, was, think I saw. Yeah. 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 And then I did um The Color of Pomegranates by um oh, I can't remember his name. Sure. Um I did two GW Pabst movies. I did Andrew Hayes 45 Years, which is again, like the single best commission I've ever been given. They flew me to a glacier in Switzerland and uh, had me photograph these crevasses. And I, I mean, I'll tell you that whole story if you want to hear it because it's bizarre. Um, I mean, the commission itself was fantastic, but like everything that happened to make the final image was like, it was it was like a Keystone Cops movie, like it was it was it was so slapstick, and then and then the Kaislowski's Decalogue, and then that makes
0: so much sense that you did that. It's funny. I just went to the page to to look it up. It makes so much sense that you did the Decalogue one. That I should have yeah. even just guessed that. That's the the most the most you. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's mm. the first one that I did, and like uh, again, like I had I had I had had a rough. And again, this goes back to like living in London and like how expensive it was. Like, I um, I had been doing okay at fine, you know finding work and like taking on um, little design jobs if I needed to. And then like there was like a slow period for of about four months, and I was I just ran out of, I ran out of money, so I had to get a full time job. And then two weeks after I started. Criterion reached out and, and, you know, I had, I, again, we've established I'm a consummate emailer. So I had been like, I had emailed them several times being like, listen, I would love to work with you anytime, anywhere, whatever. Yeah. And so, and so he reached out and he was like, I know, I know you've been in touch, but like we have something that we think might be great for you. Do you want to do this? Like 10 DVD box set or however many DVDs it was. Yeah. His. And I was just like, Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> and I took the project. Not that I ever take uh, never not that I ever don't take a project seriously, but I t- I like watched The Decalogue 3 times to like get as many of the themes out as possible. It was like it was like a lot of intimate watching, you know? Like sure. it was it was um and and I I I haven't watched it since because I feel like I could like recite all of those little parables. <laughs> yeah. Um but it was it was such it was such a again, like soul nourishing way to work because like uh, Eric was just like, we love these grid pieces. We have something, we, we want you to do something like that. These are the themes of the movie. These are a couple of examples of your work. Would you like to take this on? And I was like, yeah. And he didn't know that I had a background in design at that point. So when I sent the options over, I just included typography in them. And he was like, wait, 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 like, are you, do you have a, do you have like a design, a design background and i was like yeah 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 and he's like do you want to do the whole package Whoa. and i was like oh my god yeah <laughs> so it ended up it, it ended up being like a 60 page book and all of the all of the dvd layouts all of the typography and it was just it was such a dream to work on
0: oh that's incredible
1: and uh, yeah like and then and then the next thing well, he he had me do a little type job after that, but that was more of just laying type over someone else's work. But the next like big project that we did together was for this uh for 45 years. And um he was like, This might be I might be like, you might not be interested. We might need to like pay you less, but like would you be interested in doing this cover? We want to shoot a glacier. Do you want to go to Switzerland? We can book it. And I was like, yeah. "No, I don't."
0: Yeah, no, it sounds like a drag. Please, yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: no, thanks. Um, and so and so, uh, Criterion arranged it all, got me set up with a guide, booked all like booked all the flights, got me got me set up in a hotel. But I was so nervous, and I had I hadn't well. I, And I had actually, I had just, I I had actually just gotten back from the stage four art show uh, when I went. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is a long time ago. Um, And so, but I hadn't been, I hadn't been at a high elevation in forever. Sure. And this was like the highest of high elevations, this (laughs) town called, called, called Grindelwald. And so I got there and I was like, I can't, I can't. I can't wake up late. I was like, I'm going to wake up late. I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss the tram up to the top of the peak. And I was like, I was like, and I was like, okay, I'll just go to a bar and like have a drink, go back to my hotel. And I like had like a bottle of beer, like n- nothing like major. Yeah. And I was just like, well, that was really nice. Like ooh, feeling like Lucy, goosey now. I was like, I'll have one more. And I had one more and I was like, I'm really drunk. Like what's going on? And then I was like, idiot like oh no the elevation if you're at high elevation your blood thins and so like I stumbled back to my hotel and then got up that was all fine got the tram up but I was terrified of being oh and I hadn't brought appropriate clothing I'm at the top of this peak in jeans and like a Carhartt jacket and I was just like (laughs) I'm such an idiot And, and like sneakers Yeah. And like, I've been given my like crampons and all my stuff. And I'm like, I'm going to be late to meet this guy. And like, I'm, and like the, the, the tram goes up through basalt rock. Right. So it's all black. And so it, it it stops and there's like a clearly delineated path from the tram to the, uh, to like observation point. And I was like, I'm going to be late. I'm going to be like, so I just divert around everyone. I go off the, the, the path and I like run headfirst into like a sp- like spiky basil rock and I like slice open my scalp.
0: Oh my God.
1: And so I'm just like, shit, <laughs> shit, shit. And so, and I'm like, I, it doesn't hurt. But again, I'm at a high elevation. So yeah, my blood's your, thinner. Your blood is thinner. So I'm, I'm pouring, pouring blood out blood. of my scalp. And I just like, I just go, I go to a bathroom and I'm like grabbing tissues. I'm like rubbing them through my hair. And like, it's, it's horrible. I'm like rubbing water through and I'm like, okay, the bleeding, looks like the bleeding has stopped. Like there's no blood on my face. It's fine. And I, and I go and I meet up with the guy and I'm out of breath and I'm like wide eyed and like sweating and covered in water. And I'm just like, sorry, I just, uh, like I just uh, I just ran into the uh, just ran into the wall. I had to run to the bathroom. Like I like got a little nick on my head. Like I don't think it'll affect anything. I'm like meanwhile like a, a stream of blood is oh, coming down no. like, the front. And I was just like, and he's just like, oh you're you're bleeding a bit. And I'm like oh sorry 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 sorry. Like uh, uh let me uh let me just run to the washroom. I'm fine I'm fine to go on the dish. And he's like yeah yeah we've got lots of time. Like you've got like three hours or whatever. And I was just like, and it's <laughs> awful. It was hard. And of course I'm not properly dressed. So I don't have like a hat to wear. So I don't have anything to like cover my head with. So I've just like my, my hair is all matted with blood and I'm just like out on this glacier with a Hasselblad and I'm just like,
0: man, man, man.
1: I'm an, I'm an idiot. And like, cause like, cause like the entire time I was just like, I've never been sent anywhere. Like I've never had a work trip. Like everything I do is so, no, that's not true. That's not true. I shouldn't have said that. Nick brought me to LA, so sure, but no, I I had one work trip, which was yeah. This is very different. Yeah, this is very different.
0: It's like for a company that you're so excited to be working with, you want to do the best job possible. You're you're scared about oversleeping. You're yeah, the most frazzled you could possibly be, (laughs)
1: and and gushing blood and gushing Um,
0: blood. Oh, buddy.
1: Yeah, no, it was, it was, uh, it, it makes for an incredible story. And, and then, and then like we were out on the glacier and I was just like, this is crazy. And, and like, he was like, we'll take everything slowly. Um, you tell me when you need to stop. If you want me to lower you down, we can do that. Like into the crevasses. And I was like, I don't think I'll need to do that. Um, and he was just like, but you know, we're going to take everything really slowly because like, if you haven't been at this elevation before, you can get tired really quickly. Sure. And I just remember, I remember like the first like half hour, I was like, this is great. (laughs) Like (laughs) by the end, we were walking back up to base camp and I was just like, (gasps) yeah, like like gasping for breath and having to like stop and like, like getting winded every like 20 or 30 steps. And I ended up like burning my alveoli because the air is so thin. Like it was, it was like, I think it was at something like, Oh, I'd have to check, but like yeah, twenty thousand it's, it's feet elevation, high. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fantastic though, and like I was so, I was so. Um,
0: it's funny because you look at the cut, co- like I, I looked at the cover, and it's like the most peaceful, the most beautiful thing. And just knowing that the intense amount of just mayhem surrounding it, personal mayhem, is, uh, it's a fun juxtaposition.
1: Yeah absolutely insane that those photos turned out at all and i'm just like oh my god like it could have it could have gone it could have like there are so many things that could have happened to like fuck it up completely like and the fact that they didn't and the fact that like i managed to make something decent out of it oh god insane
0: incredible incredible um i figured we should uh we should talk a little bit about uh the stage four stuff before we wrapped up um you know, I it's, uh, I was actually curious. Actually, I don't know if I know where did you and Nick's relationship start because like, I know he's had he has like one of your pieces framed in his house, and I was curious if he just came across you on his own and then contact. Like, where did that
1: start? He did, yeah. So he reached out to me, and with with sort of with with no preamble he was like i love these grid pieces like like w- how much are they and he i think he bought four of the really little ones that's yeah and that sounds right yeah 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 and he was like listen like i don't know if you do commission like i don't know if you, if you do like commissioned work but i'm in this band um here's like a link to our music um I'm like you know i hadn't heard of you guys Like, like I, 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 I discovered you through Nick. Sure. And I was just like, yeah, this is amazing. And like, again, like, I think I was, my, 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 my time with hardcore music until very recently was like a really like short slice of time. And so it would have been, I don't know, 2000 to 2002. Um, And, you know, you guys, he, he brought me on, he was like, we're going to be in the UK come to heavy fest. I did. I loved the show. Like I, and I, and I remember, and then I met all, and then I met all you guys. Yeah. And I think at that photos. point, yeah. 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 And at that point, like the, the, the artwork was uh, was underway or, or discussions were underway or whatever, but yeah, it was, it was, it was very much like a cold call, which again, as we have established, I never really get. And like, and and I remember he was like, we're between labels at the moment. We don't know what's going on. I, and and sort of, and, and he's like, we can't like promise, you know, we can't promise a fixed budget, but what I want to do is have this show and I'll bring you out to LA. And he was like in, incentivizing it. And I was like, buddy, I'm just happy to be working with you. Like, and it was, it was like, and then it ended up being such a like wonderful working experience. Like I, I really, and I think I said, I think I said this to you in LA, like the, the, the trust that you had in me to work with those images and make collages out of them, like really blew my mind. And like, I, you know, the fact that like we made it happen is just, is like very meaningful to me
0: oh my god it is like the and it's the most meaningful to i mean to the band as a whole but uh for me being the person who's you know childhood home is like the focus of all of these things (laughs) like in my living room i have uh from that art show like i bought two of those pieces because i just wanted Mm. i just you know i wanted them for myself so it's like i have in my living room these two uh awesome photos of my childhood home which obviously i don't I don't, it's not around anymore. So it's like, yeah, you know, it's like the best gift in the entire world to be able to have these things. And by being made by someone who did it with such, um, you know, uh, consideration and kindness and, and all of that. So like the whole thing is just, you know, truly magical for me. So I've just, yeah, for forever. Thank you for, for doing it.
1: No, no, no. Like yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's my absolute pleasure. Like it, it was, it was, it was a dream project and the fact that like we got to hang out in LA, we got to hang out in the, in the wilds of Kent. Like it was, it, it was really, it was really nice to like work so closely with you guys and on something that was so, um, so meaningful. Cause it, it was really, it, obviously not as meaningful to me as it is to you, but like, it was very meaningful me, for me to have that trust, you know, Put, I was wondering if me.
0: of course. I, I was wondering if um for projects that are more personal like that, I don't know if you've had anything quite as personal uh as a, as a job really since or before then, but like um does that uh does that make you more nervous or does it make you kind of more excited?
1: Oh, more nervous for sure. Like again, you know, my 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 baseline, um, um, my baseline, my baseline emotion is probably like worry. And so like the idea of having like that kind of trust put in me makes me very nervous until I get down to it. And then, and then like, I think once, um, once the sort of like mechanical aspects of my process, um, begin to manifest and, excuse me, begin to manifest in creating, um, creating the artworks, like then it's, it's very much like I can, I can step back and see it analytically. Like I remember it took me a really long time to start on those images because I was just like, I'm going to fuck this up. I'm going to like fuck this up and like ruin this guy's week, (laughs) ruin this band's year. (laughs) And so, and I remember the first couple I worked on were the like very abstract, cause it, cause I think there's one that was like shadows on the driveway mm-hmm. or something yeah. or, or like leaves. And yeah. those were the first couple I did and I did them and I was just like, all right, I don't have to work on this for another couple of weeks. I can like yeah. pretend that I've done something. Yeah. But then, but then like, but then when, when, um, when I did start really like digging into the imagery and like working on it it was like this will look good because of this this will sure. look good because of this and i i could like you disconnect myself from yeah. found the path and like and like was able to kind of disconnect myself from the the truth of the images and have sure. them become become you know just not not to say just images but have them disconnect from from totally. their uh, their referent i guess
0: yeah, not the same in any sort of way because it's, uh, it's it's a life and death situation. But I'm sure for in a way when something like that is so <clears throat> can be so personal for the person you're working for, it's probably in a way the same mindset that like a nurse, uh, an emergency room nurse would have when they there's something really horrific in front of them, but they're having to do the work, you know, like they have to put that, yeah. they have to put the emotion aside and focus on how to yeah. get the thing done.
1: <laughs> I mean, I love, I love, I love that you're comparing me to a lifesaver. I'm going to take the compliment, <laughs> but no, but I, I, I take your point completely because yeah, like, that's yeah, it is, I it went is just, yeah. Like that, that, um, I know what I'm doing and like, whatever nerves you have get turned off once, yes. the, once, once your hands start working. kind
0: Totally. Of and just for, I mean, I figure we should just, I should just put it out there for people who are listening who maybe don't, um, have never really paid too much attention to what the, what those images are. Maybe they're just used to seeing the album cover and never really thought twice about it because there's a lot of people who do that. There's a lot of people who just say, this is an album cover, um, don't really know the story behind any of it. But um, our friend Ryan, who's done a lot of photography for um, the majority of our records, um, came to my childhood home um, right after my mom had passed and took all these photos um, of, of the interior, the exterior. And then once I had to go through the terrible process that everyone who goes through losing someone um, goes through where they had to like clear out the house and basically like, you know, get rid of everything and, and all of that, um, Ryan came back and reshot the exact same photos um, now that the house had been cleared out. And then we gave those images to Ryan, or sorry, to uh, to Anthony and then Anthony... Um, did what he does and basically um, used the past and the pr- uh, use the past and the present of those, and then also added his own style to it. Is that a fair way to sort of describe? And so the album cover itself is Definitely. like is like the front door and the the address number, which is three hundred six. Um, so it's sort of like a shot of of uh of the front door. Um, and I remember Nick and I going back on fo- back and forth on like what should actually be the album cover and then we were so you know because we do those deluxe books we're so we're so excited that we were able to use all the other images as well um but yeah like it was really tough picking that album cover because there were so many that I, I, i it was hard for me to choose also because it's like they're all so deeply personal in so many different ways but that one i think really represented the whole experience
1: yeah, I, I definitely I, I I think that you chose the right one for sure because like it is it is such a when you when you know what that image is it becomes so so much sadder and like more more melancholy and heart like it it's yeah 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 I mean the 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 well funnily enough like talking about sort of art directors pushing you to places you wouldn't necessarily go. Nick's Nick had the idea of combining the two images and essentially like um having having an image in its inverse because just to add one thing was that there were there were always two images for every because it was the before and after the collages always had sort of a an adjacent image if that's if that yeah and um he 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 really pushed that idea. He sort of he sort of said like what we what we think would be good is if you did these grids, but like combine the two photos yeah. and again. Like I was just like, well, they're usually just one image, you know. And it was, <laughs> it was just it was just very much like, oh no, this looks great, and this is you know not to hype myself, but like that was very much the the next input. Yeah, and. and yeah, it was such a, such a good project to work on. And like, yeah, well, such a pleasure. It. You crushed it. Hey, th- thanks, man. Uh, Thank you. Um,
0: well, shit, I'll hit you with the, with the last question. I, again, I appreciate so much of your time. This is, this is awesome. Um, when was the first time for you that you felt like you were doing the thing you have been working so hard towards?
1: Oh, I think it was the first time that I did a proper uh, photo road trip in 2014. I was out in the desert for, 40 no, not 40 days, 35 days. And we we went from New York to Toronto via Utah. And I shot and I, I I was going to this place in Utah specifically to go to the county where Robert Smithson's spiral jetty was because that when when I first learned about that work, it really like I found it like kind of it it blew open, it blew open my understanding of like what landscape could be. And I remember we drove out there and from this like nothing little blown out town, Brigham city to the spiral jetty was like a four hour drive into the desert and we got out of the car and I just like walked up this hill and I saw it and I was just like, oh, I am an artist and I'm doing this thing and this is like happening. It was incredible
0: yeah like where where your inspiration, where your um, your mind has sort of like led you physically to a place where you're like, oh, I'm here because of all of this. I'm not here just out of fun like I'm here because I have a purpose
1: yeah, totally, totally and it was it was it was the first time that i'd ever uh that I had ever sort of seen not even seen the totality of what I could do, but like saw that what I was doing had a was a tangible thing that right. I could keep doing.
0: Awesome. Awesome. That's a great answer. Well, I appreciate this. Thank you so much for tang- uh, taking the time to talk to me oh. today. I know this is a long time coming. Um, I appreciate you so much.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me. And like, yeah, this was, this was a real, a real joy. So yeah, take it easy.
0: And that is our show. Thank you so much to Anthony for coming on and thank you for listening. Reminder, there is a bonus episode available right now where Anthony answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. Access that and so much more over at patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon. And hey, if you have not subscribed to the show on Spotify or Apple or wherever it is you're listening to this, please do so. It helps the show so much and uh, leaving a positive rating and review, I will love you forever. All right. I will see you on Monday with a brand new radio hour and then Wednesday with a new episode. I'm on tour. Check out the dates over at toucheamori.com slash tour. Hope to see you there. Take care. Bye-bye.